You want to do the thing? Oh, we're doing the thing. Oh, go. <laughs> I was looking at the microwave on the floor. Season two, do we want to start a new way of doing the thing? Nah, I like doing it the way we do it. Okay. Let's talk about the microwave on the floor for a second. <laughs> so Kaylin's microwave is on the floor. You have to kneel down to turn it on. It's one of the big uh, microwaves from the 80s. It's approximately... Did it come with the house? Yeah. Uh, two feet long by one and a half feet wide by one and a half feet tall. It's a big box. You could probably fit a baby in there if you were into microwaving babies. <laughs> Can't say that. <laughs> we judge things based on children's size. <laughs> yeah, so my microwave's on the floor in the plant room right now. Um before we started recording, I walk over there and I microwave some rice and Christine's like, what? It's just funny. It is. It, it blends into the floor so well that. Oh, geez, it does. When you just like all of a sudden it was on. I was like, oh, there's and a it was microwave. doing microwave things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. Um, no, I'm going to I'm repainting, repainting, refinishing. I'm painting my kitchen cabinets. So I took everything off the upper cabinets and the microwave is on a thing that needs to get painted so it's now living in the plant room for the immediate future so yep <laughs> uh well i guess on that note welcome to season two of rough around the hedges podcast i'm galen i'm christine and i'm mackie big news everybody we are welcoming a new host onto the podcast hi that'd be me mackie I don't know what to say at this point. So. Just you introduce yourself, uh, pronouns, and then what you like oh. to grow. Uh, I'm Mackie, they, them. Uh, I primarily grow succulents indoors, outdoors, and I do a lot of hybridizing and seed growing. Oh, that sounds so cool. Yeah. Okay, so that's actually leads us into our topic for today. We are going to talk about hybridizing and growing beyond just growing plants and propagating plants. Yeah, so if you've been growing plants either for a short while or for a very long while and you're like i'm bored they just keep growing now what here's what you can do yeah so some of the things we'll talk about are um collecting pollen and pollinating uh flowers and fluorescences that kind of thing um what else and a basic general what you need to consider to get things to get to bloom sure because that differs from plant to plant yeah you have to wait for a specific time window slash physical features to appear not on all of them oh my gosh okay sweet <laughs> sweet okay let's just jump right into it i say let's we'll probably go from easy to hard as the episode progresses so what are we gonna talk about first i would say pollination and doing flowers is going to be the easiest part because it's just a matter of getting your timing right and knowing where to where you're what you're putting where <laughs> so yeah. Things we're all hopefully experienced with at this point. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Okay, so when you say flowers, do you mean like blooming flowers or like inflorescence flowers? Both. Okay. Because there's also composites, which are multiple flowers, mm -hmm. like sunflowers. Mm -hmm. um, no, I, for me, I started with like Haworthia and aloes. They were just the easiest thing. Uh, their timing is just early, in, before noon. Try to get them in the morning. So like it's just considering what they need to get to bloom most of the time, which is like how much light and stuff. How much light is that? Uh, for aloes, I haven't quite nailed down the DLI yet, but about 10 to 12 hours of direct sunlight to get them to bloom. Um, but that's not doesn't hold true when you get into the hybrids that can throw a wrench in it. So it's always a, a game of what what does this one need and having to figure it out. Gotcha. Um, 
Mackie just used the abbreviation DLI, which stands for Daily Light Integral. And that is going to be essentially the count of the amount of photons the sun or your grow lights throw onto the plant leaves throughout the course of the day. So think about light as a volume thing and not so much as a brightness thing. So that's a math intensive way of figuring it out. But that's just how I've always done it. Like I learned with cat Leia's, they need a DLI of 10, which would take me about 12 hours of light Mm -hmm. in my current setup to give them to get them to bloom. And that's just to get them to bloom. And that's going to be a shit ton of light. Coming off those lights for twelve hours. So. Yeah, it, it's it's that's up there. the that's the official term. Shit ton. <laughs> Scientific me- measure. Right. Okay. So aloes and haworthias. If we get them set up, let's say we have we're meeting the light requirements, and then we just wait. Pretty them to much. Throw flowers. Um, the way aloes and haworthias grow, they will put out a new leaf, and then they'll put out at the very top. They'll put a bloom stalk, but they continue to grow leaves. So as they're putting up that bloom stock, they'll continue to grow and get bigger. But you want that bloom stock, it'll let you know. You'll know when it opens. Like the end just opens up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're little flowers. Yeah. And that's usually when I take my cat whisker, stick it in there, twirl it around. You literally mean cat whisker. Literally mean cat whiskers. <laughs> I, I learned this from Jane Prone on On the Ledge. She had a guest on who swore by cat whiskers. So I gave it a shot and I love it. It holds pollen a lot better than a paintbrush bristle. Interesting. I'm going to start saving mine. Do you think if we did that for anthuriums that would also, or is that since it's a bigger thing, it wouldn't? For that, you're better off using a small paintbrush. Yeah, is okay. that the secret to Hoya pollination? Cat, cat whiskers? whiskers? Yes, that is Ooh. actually Ooh. the secret that I've learned. <laughs> Cracked. I, I mean, cat whiskers. I, that's why I've saved up hundreds of cat whiskers uh, over the years. I know there's one on the floor in the bedroom at my house. I'm going to go save it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do. I just pick them up off the floor. And I'm just like, where the hell are they? I have never seen a cat whisker hanging out on my floor before. Mm. Do your cats have dark whiskers? Because my uh, cat has white whiskers. And okay. that's how I'm able to pick Yeah, I have up. a black cat and a gray cat with black whiskers. So yeah. I have to raid your 100, 100 count stash of cat whiskers when I'm ready to pollinate. Yeah, I got to figure out where I put it. <laughs> But uh, no, and then you just, the thing about a lot of stuff is you got to figure out if they're self-fertile or not. That's usually my first step Mm -hmm. when I see a flower is Google, is this self-fertile? If it is, then I will figure out how to pollinate it. If it's not, and I only have one, I usually just forget about it. Like a lot of philodendrons don't do self-fertilization very well. Like I know, I think Dominic Gravine with the Spirit of Sancti had a decent, he had a decent rate with that, but I've known other people like Jose Buono's not get good self-fertilization mm. rates. So it's kind of very species to species and hybrid to hybrid. And when you say self-fertilizing, you mean using the same pollen and off the same plant, you're fertilizing its correct inflorescence. Yeah. So. And then from there, it's just waiting for seed pods. I'll probably usually Google how long a seed pod takes. So I know how long to wait for it to ripen. Um, and depending on the seed pod, you sometimes either have to tape them shut or glue them shut so they don't explode. Oh, Other gosh. times they just gently will pop open and you have a good window to grab them and get the seeds. Okay. So what does that look like on a aloe or herworthia? Uh, aloes and herworthias get seed pods and it, what they do is they dry at the very end and then they roll back and they explode. And so you want to save those before they explode all over your grow tent. Yes. A lot of people just take a piece of tape and fold it in half over it. And that's good enough to keep the seeds in. Oh. And it also lets, see, lets you see when it dries out and starts opening so that you can pull it off. Mm-hmm. And then I do the same thing with aloes, except for sometimes they're a bit beefier. So I glue them shut or I put little bags around them. Hmm. Are mm-hmm. those, they're obvious enough that you would know. Oh, yeah. That it's 
growing yeah. seeds or whatever. Usually the flowers, if you don't pollinate Haworthian aloe, they go and go and go for a few days and then they stop. But as soon as you pollinate them, the flower dies. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, the flower, the petals, you usually like... Um, I was just pollinating uh, Syningia IRA, which is a Gesneriad, and the very next day, less than 12 hours later, the flower had fallen off, and it was just uh, the pistil, I think is what it's called, where the, you put the pollen. Mm-hmm. It was just that, and it's already swollen up into a seed pod. Wow. What? Yep. That is quick. That's nuts. Okay, so um, I just had my Haworthia in flower, but I didn't have anything to cross it with, so I just let it go. Yeah. Um, Wow. Okay. I, I know you've told me to do this before and I've ignored it because I'm like, I don't have, I don't want to learn about it, but like that's, that just sounds so easy. It is. And the other nice thing about aloes and Hawarthias, especially as a good starting point is they're a little more forgiving with the time window. I've done them at night and still gotten seeds, not as much, mm-hmm. but they still can go outside their window. How many seeds can you expect to get from a single seed pod on one of those? Depends on a lot of factors, but usually 15 to 20 per seed pod. Okay. Um, I've seen upwards of 30 or 40 on pure species from other people. And then I've seen other people hardly get anything out of new hybrids because it just doesn't take well. Right. Dang. Dang. Cool. And I know uh, you're definitely one to go buy new Haworthias at Home Depot to get something to cross. That is actually how I started. I bought a, I went to Vegas and I bought a Haworthia Cooperi. And then we went to Home Depot afterwards and I saw... Uh, mandula and I was like that has really nice windows I'm gonna buy it and then I bought like four more at the same time and that's how I started my collection and I think a good 70% of my collection is from Home Depot wow until I started seeds and mm-hmm. started getting fancier stuff yeah I have a, a total of two two Haworthia right now so I gave one of them to you so I had three to two and I enjoy them I love the windows I love the windows so damn much they're so charming I recently discovered there's a whole world of colored ones, a lot of orange, reds, and some really cool, just like different shades of green. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to kind of be drawn towards those. I'm going to be doing some yes. experiments this year. Yes. Should we explain what windows are in a Haworthia? Oh, the, the Haworthia, the, the way they grow their leaves, um, they have little clear windows on the top, and that's where light enters and it'll photosy- photosynthesize within the leaf through those windows. Correct. Because all the photosynth- all the photos... I don't know how to say that word that that way. Photosynthetic? Photosynth- all the photosynthesis happens like down at the base of the plant because gotcha. that's where all the chlorophyll is at. Because in nature, the way they grow, only the windows are exposed. Everything mm-hmm. else is underground. Mm-hmm. Whereas in here in pots, we grow them above ground. Interesting. Oh, I just love that little window. So cute. My favorite <laughs> is the cooperii. It's surprising me that you like the window so much considering how you hate baby ogre toes or oh, whatever, I, the fenestria. Yeah, because they're called baby toes. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. They just freak me out. I think you'd... I if think they had you'd, a different name, I'd probably be fine with it. Like if it was like a like a plant anemone, um, like a cute name like that, maybe. But the fact that it's like baby toes, I'm just like immediately just revolts. I'm just... The repulsion is real. <laughs> the funny thing is I didn't ever refer to them as baby toes until I met you. That's uh, because that's where I've seen them... Like I, that's where I've like, that's how I know. I don't know. That, that's just how they, yeah. uh, how I've always seen them called, seen them, whatever. Ever since you've pointed that out to me, that's how I've seen them here and there as that, but I've always known them as Fenestria orantica. It's just, Fenestria I always, sounds much better than baby toes. I have always gone by the scientific name. So like <laughs> common names sometimes elude me. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of those times where I was like, they're baby toes. <laughs> yeah. What are baby toes? Like, why do you want, why? I mean, I would hate baby toes too. And then I learned what they were and I was like, oh, that it's. <laughs> I think you'd like the way it grows in nature more than it does in the pot. Cause in the pot, it kind of sprawls 
in yeah. nature, it's and then just they're, the top they're just windows. like the little dudes sticking out above the soil. No, of- not even. It's just the top is at the level of the soil. In nature, you mean? In nature. I meant in pots. Oh, in pot. Oh, yeah, in pots. They grow so horribly in pots. They actually grow <laughs> to the point where they break themselves. Oh, the plants. They're, they're annoying. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I've never really grown a whole lot of Haworthia, but I'm googling and scrolling, and I'm like feeling the tug of I need to get some. <laughs> Oh, I mean, oh, I know. I know someone who can hook you up, Christine. Honestly, if you're going to go. The variegated is very pretty. Oh, my God, it is. Guess I who's got some of those? <laughs> not Cooperi. Coop- yeah, not Cooperi. I've got a couple other variegated ones. But um, if you're ever going to get into succulents, especially up here in a northern climate like Minnesota, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. it helps to get into something that's going to grow well. And Haworthia grow well indoors. Mm-hmm. Even without additional lighting, if you can keep them on a south window and keep their water needs where they need them, mm-hmm. they're fantastic. I mean, I started growing them without lights and I got them to bloom and was crossing them before I even put them under lights. <laughs> <laughs> and they stay small. That's always a plus. They stay small. Well, you have some big ones, some big clumps. Some of them, actually, there are there are a couple cultivars that get large, but by large, they're like four or five inches across. Right. Yeah, we're not talking about like a five foot tall, eight foot wide. Yeah, and that's large. one thing that should be mentioned with succulents is we deal with a lot smaller stuff right. than Giant. regal shield yeah. alocasias and plumerias. Guess what? And- we're recording in my house today. <laughs> <laughs> A little baby leaf on that. Yeah, yeah, and then silly little. The only thing, word of caution with doing aloes: if you're doing them outside, hummingbirds will mess your crap up. Oh, really? Because Easy. they oh, will they, go in for the nectar. or something? They go in for the nectar, and they're also the natural pollinators of aloes. Mm. So you, I've mm. got a lot of open pollinated seeds that I just have been growing for fun to see what I get because I can. Because you don't know what they touched, what they were doing. All yeah. I know is the mother plant, and that's it. Yeah. Huh. So I like I like to grow those and see what Sperm I get. Sperm donor. Yeah. Oh, totally off topic. I received a Facebook ad for being a sperm donor. Like they were trying to get you to be one? Yep. Oh. Um, I just took a screenshot. <laughs> Roseville, earn up to $4,000 by donating your sperm. And then oh, it has yeah. a picture of this really happy dude who looks like he's from like in sync <laughs> in oh, the God. 90s, 2000s. And I was like. No one is choosing that man as a sperm donor, so I don't know why they're using him for their ad. But he's throwing, like, a giant stack of $100 bills in the air that are obviously photoshopped. So now you all know. Viaspermdonor.com is sponsoring ads on my Facebook. (laughs) Hey, Mackie, we get off topic here. That's fine. The the bad part is it's, like, partially on topic. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Oh, okay. So beyond, okay, we, we've, we've, I'm doing air quotes, mastered pollinating all aloes and Haworthias. What else? Next once step? Got, yeah. Once you've got the pollination and harvest down after that, you got to learn how to grow your seeds. And that, that is where the fun mm-hmm. starts because some seeds need treatments. Others need light. Others need dark. It's a fun game to figure out what needs what. So do you just have to figure it out or... How do you how do you know what they want? Like if they want stratification versus light or dark germination versus I look at the families. I okay. look at the families they come from. Um, if I'm doing like Gesneriad stuff, I know Gesneriads tend to have dust like seeds similar to orchids, just bigger than orchids. Um, and they need sunlight to germinate. So I would surface sow them. 
However, if I had something more like a desert rose, which which has a larger seed and can stand to go in the ground, which I don't think you're supposed to bury them, but I just stick mine in like a pencil. Mm -hmm. And I've had very good luck that way, getting them to grow. So it's just based off what family the plant belongs to. And usually if you're, you're going to come across something special, the Wikipedia will tell you. I was going to say good old Google sometimes. I was going to say, yeah. Somebody's done it before and can hopefully give you information. That and never underestimate the power of plant societies. They have, they have all the information for their whole plant genus and it's amazing. I want to start a plant society. You did. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just like, I like the idea of active participation and a bunch of people coming together and sharing their knowledge. It sounds great. On a large scale. It sounds great, but the the societies are dying nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the only one that is doing anything that resembles success in, from what I've seen, has been mostly cacti and succulent societies. Mm -hmm. Not begonias and not orchids? Mm-mm. Um, Orchid Society is a good one just because of how popular orchids are. They will always have a lot of members, but like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a part of the Gesneri Society and I definitely have felt like it's shrinking. Yeah. And the same thing with the African Violet Society and all that there. The more niche ones are slowing down where the more open ones are speeding up and picking up steam. Right. See, I wish they had, you know, a bunch of old folks in like a aeroid society. Like locally, because I know you have, we can go to African Violet and Gizneri at an Orchid Society meetings locally, but like they don't have anything like that. They don't have any, like I would even potentially be open to going like to like Begonia Society, but they don't have, they don't have that locally. Yeah. I mean, if you're interested in Begonias, your next best bet's going to be um, American Begonia Society. No, I would say you're not going to find a Begonia Society that's going to work. You're going to want to go for like the Gizneriads or the Orchids because those people tend to overlap with Begonias quite a lot. Oh, okay. That's what a lot of society's stuff is for me now, is just finding out where, what groups overlap most. Okay. Mm, because they don't have societies for everything I like anymore. Right. Yeah. We can start one. That's what I was saying. And then, yeah. Well, you're saying you, you want the, you were hoping there was enough old folks that wanted to Well, do see, it, I right? like the idea of going to like a society that has, you know, people who've been growing for 40 years who sure. are just like, oh, this plant you can't get a hold of. Oh, I have it. I'll give you a cutting of it. And I'm just like, yes. So like they have like, you know, all the secrets, mm-hmm. but like, I don't have, I have one Gisnerian and I don't have any African violets. So like going to those societies aren't going to help me. Right. Understood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I struggle with, I don't think I'm part of the Gisnerian society anymore. I kind of come and go with that. Whenever I need a bunch of seed, I join for a year, buy my stuff, go to some meetings and that's usually it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, no, still on the topic of seeds. Yes. I had bought a couple house plant seeds and I tried to grow them. Nothing happened. And then I gave them to you because I was like, you can grow them. Um, one was the bird of paradise and one is uh, the thematophyllum bipanotophytum. Or however you fucking say that. Um, I know. I think those need stratification. Nope. The philodendrons are non-recalcitrant. They need to be planted immediately. So my guess is that they were too old by the time you got them because mm. they didn't sprout for me either. Oh, you did try them? I did try them. Okay. Um, and I then also, like the bird of paradise? I also tried the bird of paradise and I think it's a similar story. I think you either got a different type of seed that wasn't bird of paradise, but either way it didn't come up. So Interesting. That's no, kind I, of I, I think maybe it would have been one of Jane Prone's uh, on the ledge so long episodes where we're talking about stratification with like a lot of tropicals and I thought that that was where I went wrong as I didn't like you know sand down the surface of the seed or something that's not stratification that's scarification oh. sorry s word what is the stratification stratification is where you keep them in a moist damp cold 
oh. condition to get them to germinate. Because <laughs> some of them need the cold with the moist but not freezing mm-hmm. to germinate. It it's helps break down chemicals okay. inside that so like inhibit. When, when I got my Venus flytraps in college and it told me to put them in the fridge, that's stratification. <laughs> That's not stratification. That is dormancy. Oh, and but those uh, seeds, they like I got seeds to try and, and they told they me to put them in. They should have been stratified. They should have been surface sewn <laughs> and put on a heat mat. Well, we didn't have a heat mat back in college. Yeah, we didn't know what that it was. <laughs> it was light. I mean, I didn't start using heat mats till fairly recently, and I realized that they're they're a godsend with with seeds. They're so cool. My germination rate has yeah. increased so much since started, I started using them. I still don't have one, but yeah, I probably. If you want to borrow one? You can borrow. I have a couple. I'm not using any at the moment. See, I'll need them in the spring. I'm not really? Yeah, I was gonna. I'm not really propping stuff yeah. right now. I if anyone's on the fence out there about you know spending the money on a heat mat, do it and don't worry about. You don't need the one with the temperature timer thing. Just get a the cheapo. Heat mat. My word of advice with heat mats, anytime you buy a heat mat, buy a thermostat. They sell B links. Oh, mm-hmm. I always do because here otherwise it's just on one hundred percent and that can burn and melt. Okay, I guess I'm I'm not using them. <laughs> I know a lot <laughs> of the right plant way. ones come with the safety feature of it only goes up so hot and then it shuts off. Uh-huh. But you hit that limit so many times that stops working. Right. Mm. I the first heat mat I bought, I bought it with the thermostat thing and then I was like, you know. It wasn't worth the extra $10. And so the, you know, four I bought after that don't have it. And then I just leave them on all the time. That works for most things. Uh, for me, I need a very specific range for Haworthia. They need to get to a certain temperature during the day. And then I need it to shut off or go down at night because mm. they need that drop for right. germination. So like it's, okay. you kind of figure out how to make your equipment work for you. Like I think I have it set to go up to the temperature I need it to. And then I have it on a timer so it shuts off at night. So it gets that nightly dip. Interesting. And how did you, how did you figure out that it needed that? Uh, there's a, a woman named Renny Wong who is like the forefront breeder of Haworthia. She does everything. No. Um, I buy seeds from her and she had mentioned on her site that they needed that nightly dip. So I started doing that and again, noticed great results. So I add that to my little book of Sweet. information to not forget. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Oh, so much new information. <laughs> Okay, next in list of seed growing, pollinating, propagating. I would say the next step that you need to figure out is when to uncover. It's something that I'm still struggling with. Oh, after your seeds have germinated? Yeah, because I Mm. grow a lot of mesems, which are like rock-like succulents. And a lot of them, can they go one way or the other. Either they need to be covered for three, four months, like Haworthia like to be covered because that's where they grow the fastest, gets them established the quickest. Other ones, if you keep them covered up more than two or three days after they've sprouted, they damp off. Yeah. Interesting. So, So I guess going back a little bit, we are saying for almost all of our seeds, we want a humidity, like a dome enclosure of some sort. Always, For everything. You want to keep that humidity high as close to 100% as possible. Right. Without being soaking wet, that mm-hmm. is. And then okay. I know the other thing that a lot of people struggle with is what to plant it in. A lot of people use seed starter. I use a seed starter that's cocoa core based, so that way I don't have to worry about pH too much. Mm-hmm. And then I mix in uh, fine perlite with that. I just keep the particle size small so the so that way the seeds aren't landing on like chunks of perlite and have nowhere to grow into. Would you say that's like a 75% cocoa core and 25% perlite? Right now I'm using 50-50. Oh, okay. But I'm about to experiment with some 60-40 just to see if a little more water retention would help me. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really having problems at 50-50. Well, and I, I'm, it's glad to, I'm glad to hear that you're having success with the cocoa coir because um, 
it doesn't become hydrophobic. That's you, why you're going to have like it, it on the heat mat. It's going to dry it out sooner. And like, mm-hmm. that's something I've kind of struggled with a little bit when I've done seeds is the little pods get so dry so fast. And like the peat is just hard to re-moisten. And also I just kind of hate peat in general. So that's been my big, that's been the big reason I've moved away from peat is I grow, I, you've seen my setup. I grow mostly on grow racks. Uh, with that, my pots sit directly on top of a shelf with a light attached to the underside of it. So they heat up a lot. So I was finding a lot of my stuff was going hydrophobic because I wouldn't water it quickly enough. And then I would have to spend days just getting stuff to take water again. And now with Cocoa Core, I can get all my watering done in two days, even if I've forgotten for a while. Mm-hmm. I learned from somebody in the Facebook group about Easy Wet, it's a non-ionic surfactant, which will moisten your hydrophobic soil if you're yeah, having issues like that. Uh, an extract from a plant called Saponin, usually, I think it's in aloe vera too. I know ah, some people ooh. use aloe vera juice. Mixed in water to get the as a surfactant, but there's lots of cool stuff. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I think if I read the package right, I determined I won't, I shouldn't use it more than once a month. I've never um, used a surfactant, so I don't. I, I like it when it gets, honestly, I've been using it a little bit now. It's December when we're recording this, but like I'm seeing a lot of my plants, they're drying out and they're not staying, they're not holding moisture. Yeah. the soil is breaking down and it's going to be time for a repot. Like, I'm going to hold off until March. How so. far are you repotting? Because we just repotted some of these. Mm-hmm. Well, those aren't the ones that need to be repotted. Like, <laughs> the Regal Shield does not need to be repotted. Um, over in the ficus section, the burgundy has been drying out a lot. The ficus, or the ruby and the tanniki have been drying out a lot. Um, I don't... Did we repot the, uh, the fiddle leaf? No, we didn't. That one is going to need a repot. Uh, um, who else am I looking at? That the plumeria is good. What else did we do? We did, we did the, the bird of paradise, but I sold that. Yeah, we also did the gig and TM. We repotted that. That one. Ooh, that one's tough because he's in an ace window, so he's not getting that much light. I definitely think he'll need a soil refresh, though. What are you using for soil that needs repotting? Like well, I know, well, you repot kind of a lot. I repot like once a year or sooner because my stuff just like the the soil just won't hold moisture and um. So I've, I've cycled through it for one year. I was using Espoma Organics and I would add perlite to it. Love that stuff. Love it, love it, love it. And then I used Fox Farms for a year. I got the Happy Frog in the Ocean Forest. I mixed them together. And it's funny that you make that face because so many people are like, oh yeah, Happy Frog. And I'm like, yeah, it's great for six months. And then it's shit. The thing about that mix, um, I only know it from the cannabis community and from my understanding, it burns a lot of stuff at the seedling stage because oh. it's so dense in nutrients. And then I've also, most people I know who use it will use it for a grow and then they just get rid of it. And I, I learned about that and I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense because this soil is not making it a full year for me. And the Espoma Organics, it would, I'd be able to like, you know, get a whole year before I needed to repot stuff. And like my plants get a lot of light, so they're growing quite quickly. And so they do fill up their pots fairly often. And I'm, I'm not repotting unless it's drying out quicker than in one week. So like if stuff stays wet for a week or two, it doesn't get repotted no matter how big the plant is, no matter how much it's falling over. I am judging my repotting needs based on when that soil is drying out. So, because I have too many plants to go around repotting stuff for fun. So I don't (laughs) only, only when it needs it. You putting it that way. I love the way that you put that, that you use it 
or that you repot based on how quickly it's drying out? Because I know so many people who just say, oh, every two years, every two years, just repot every two years. And it's like, no, it changes pot to pot, mm-hmm. plant to plant. Yeah. And like, I can tell like downstairs, I have a couple plants um, and I've been checking. I always, I check the soil moisture with my finger before I do anything, but I've noted like, sometimes when the soil breaks down and it stops holding moisture, it can be confusing to do the finger check and figure out if it's dry or if it's not dry. And I've, that was actually how I killed the, um, the little peyote cactus. Mm-hmm. It, he was in a small pot and there was not enough room for my finger to get in there. But I was like, the soil is dry. It's dry. It's dry. It's, it was just soil that had broken down and wasn't doing its job. And I ended up overwatering it because I thought the soil was drying out when in case that wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't the case. So um, I blame that. But yeah, no, I, I'm not, I'm a, the plant is just fine in the pot until it starts drying out sooner than I'm able to get around to watering it. So, and I, I, yeah, I'm just, I'm not, I have too many plants in big pots. So like repot for fun because I want to, or because I, you know, feel like checking the roots, like forget that. No, only when it needs it. That's kind of how I am with my, my collection. Every, I think three or four years now, it's to the point where I have to drag everything out and just do a repot. That's kind of why I'm switching more towards the succulents because, you know, you forget about them for 10, 15 years in their pot. They're fine. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and some people will have that exact case, but with like a pothos or something. And they're like, he's been fine. And like the way I grow pothos, they would not be fine. Mm -hmm. They're good for a year and then they need new soil. And like, I've got thoughts about that. Why that worked for some people and not others. Probably because their plants aren't getting enough light. That's exactly it. That and, that and they're not they're not feeding it. They're not giving it the the optimal care. Right. So and then, it's not optimally using everything that's available I've, to I've it. I've also like I don't let my plants dry out all the way mm-hmm. unless it's a specific like you know cactus or whatever. Um, I wait until the soil gets mostly dry or like dry down two inches, so then I'm watering it, so nothing fully dries out in my house. And then I'm also most uh, I can't say I'm fertilizing every single time I water um, based on circumstances. But I fertilize more than I think anybody else I know for their houseplants because I'm, I'm, I got, I got used to pH balancing my water from my alocasias and it turns out I just pH balance everybody's water. And so my plants are getting absolutely enough light. They're getting water before they dry it all the way. They're getting fertilized and it's pH balanced. So like Mm -hmm. my plants are growing really well, but that means I'm repotting once a year. See, I've been hella lazy with mine. I was pHing my water and I was fertilizing every round. Now I just use my wastewater from my hydro grows. Mm. And that is actually, I've noticed some great growth with it just because of the nutrients that are left. That should be pretty nutrient dense that it would work. Well, the nice thing is, is it's not that nutrient dense. So it's not like locking out of my potted plants. Sure. Uh, Enough of it's been used up by the main plants that it's like, oh, the leftover stuff, it's, it's light. It's yeah. nice. Yeah. And then in the summer, I just use full strength. So I kind of go at it then. Right. I love how we went from beyond basic growing to just water <laughs> growing. <laughs> it all comes down to watering. Water and light. That's what it is. Water uh, light. Super easy. I mean, the same for flowers. You don't give them the water or the light. They don't flower. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if they're, if your plants are struggling to survive the entire time, they're not going to work. They're not going to put energy towards reproducing. They're going to put energy towards surviving. Exactly. That's and brings up another point about blooms is these lovely little death blooms you get when a plant mm. doesn't know if it's going to survive or not. It'll send up a bloom stock. You don't want to pollinate those. Because it's already using its resources. Yeah. To stay alive at the bare minimum. So mm-hmm. I say if you're going to pollinate your plants, pollinate your healthy plants. If they're not healthy, I would hold off because it could drain your plant to the point of death. 
Mm. Oh, that's fair. Um, I have over in my one south window, Philodendron and Moonlight, who's been blooming nonstop since like March. I know. Weren't we going to cross that with my We were going to cross that with something else, yes, all my the time. <laughs> I, I was I was going to say, I'm, I'm well aware of what you have in flowering because it is, it is one of those things where I just want to go and start fiddling with them and like doing Do my it. thing. But Do it. Bring your cat whisker. <laughs> my little paintbrush. No, I just... I am not familiar with aeroid pollinations. Like I've looked up to help Bailey with one of her uh, mm-hmm. allocations, but uh, aside from that and watching the dominant Gravine Spiritus Sancti pollination video, I have no experience with them. Yeah. And like, I, I get the, it's, it, uh, I look at the, you know, the inflorescence, they pop out and like, there's not like a, it doesn't seem like there's an abundance of pollen when I'm checking it. And maybe I'm just not checking it often enough or at the right time of day. Are you checking the top of the inflorescence or the bottom? At the near it the comes base? out at the bottom. Okay. I just want to make sure that you check yeah. the, the right no, spot. I, I, most I, people I've don't even seen, do that. You know, I have seen it come out, but like, <laughs> and then like, if I recall correctly, like three to 4 a.m. is going to be like ideal time to be pollinating them. And I'm just like, I absolutely cannot get out of bed at three to 4 a.m. See, to I pollinate get that. My plant. I get that. Uh, with, and fr- so I would say do the next best thing, figure out what time you can wake up and do it then. Just do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, is it's going to be based off the light we have. So like while 3, 4 a.m. is ideal for most people in Florida who are doing it, that's probably 4, 5, 6 in the morning with how dark it is up Mm -hmm. here in the winter. So I would say just try it. it. Wake up and do it. Yeah. Just wake up early one morning and just get it done. My Rojo Congo is blooming. My Prince of Orange is blooming. My Moonlight is blooming. My Tortum is blooming. My Ring of Fire is blooming. My Summer Glory is blooming. What's the little guy that's blooming in the lime green prep? That is a euphorbia, crown of thorns euphorbia. Euphorbia milii. Milii. Well, probably a Can hybrid. Can I pollinate those? Um, euphorbia are either male or female. You need multiples. Oh, okay. So you need one that's the opposite of whatever that one is. Would you be able to look at the flower and tell me if it's male or female? I could give it a good shot, yeah. Ooh. Oh, cool. I'm curious. I just need to see the <laughs> pollen structure. Not the pollen structure. If it's got pollen or if it has, or if it's got a pistil and stamen. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, cool. We could just call it the Jesus plant in this house. I've got a variegated one of those and it's going nice. I love the variegated ones. They're cool. Yeah. I'm glad I had pink blooms on that. He's cute. I think the weirdest thing about those uh, crown of thorns is when you give them a lot of light, they bloom on bloom on bloom. Yeah, like non-stop. I had three layers of flower at the end of stock and I was like, that's really cool. Yeah, that's fun. Oh, I see. yeah, I was not giving enough. He wasn't getting enough light this summer, so he didn't even bloom outside for me. But I bring him inside and stick him into the grow light. He's like, yeah, mama. <laughs> okay, dude. That's what happened to all my aloes. They need a certain day length to flower. And we were getting to the point where a lot of them weren't wanting to flower for me. I brought them in and then all of them just went into bloom at the same time. I was like, great. Is it because they were getting the consistent light source of the grow lights? Yep. Okay. And what was that, 12 hours a day? Uh, at the time, I think it was 14 or 16. Gotcha. I have my light, had my lights on for a ridiculous amount of time because I had weak lights. Uh, now that I've kind of upgraded my stuff, I'm kind of fine tuning it now that I've got that par meter I can kind of figure out where things need to be and how long they need to be there mm-hmm. gotta love a meter especially a par meter <laughs> Kaylin finally got one I'm so excited join the ranks of the elite scientists <laughs> yeah I'll come over and measure yours thanks I just have to like convert all my light knowledge from the uh foot candles to par ppf I was going to say, you're going to have to come test my lights and test it against my par meter to make sure mine's uh, oh, accurate. as good as yours because mine's a cheapie. 
it, I spent like $60 on it. It's literally just the oh. sensor. It's not that. And then uh, Bluetooth to my phone. Okay. And since it's Bluetooth, you can close the tent. So you don't have to have your arm in there. So you get the full light reading. That's, yeah. Which is the convenient part. But the downside is, is if you want to like check the canopy level, you got to mm-hmm. hold the sensor mm-hmm. up where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. So pretty much similar to the, what you got, just not on my phone or yeah. not on your phone. Yeah. Handheld, maybe. Yeah. Handheld. Okay, we kind of got off topic again. So we were talking about pollinating and making adequate conditions for your plants in order to be able to bloom. Um, Down acclimating was where we were last at. Yeah, once you get them down acclimated, and that's really easy for me at least, I just take the cover off. Um, Whatever survives, survives. That's that's what I do. You and I have so much in common. (laughs) Exactly. Because you grow or you won't. That's how I manage my succulent collection is if it can survive me, it gets a place in the collection. Right. Um, I go through periods where I don't do so well with my plants. And if they don't have what it takes to survive that, then I'm, why would I want to keep them? Because exactly. then I'm just going to get heartbroken when they die and have to replace them. But yeah, after I down acclimate them, I just, from that point, it's just watering them when they need water. As, as a seedling, they need water almost, I spray mine almost daily mm-hmm. to keep the top surface wet. But as those roots grow longer, the plants will start to pick themselves up and pull themselves into the ground. It's kind of cool to watch that happen over time. And once that starts happening, you can pull back on the watering to encourage that root growth to go down instead of out. Hmm. Mm. And this is over the course of what kind of period of time? Um, Probably that over the course of two or three weeks, they start to really secure themselves. And at the end of a month, they should be not being watered every day. Mm, okay. Not be watered every day. Yes. That reminds me, I need to check on my anthurium seedlings that I've started down acclimating last weekend and haven't checked on them for a minute. I have anthurium seedlings that I ha- I am Put in terrified. A I, <laughs> I'm terrified to down acclimate them because they're doing so nice and they look so great. But mine, mine hadn't like they got like to three tiny little leaves and just kind of been staying there. So I'm hoping that down acclimation might give them that little mm-hmm. it's time to grow into plants now. Yeah, mine are all four. Just in a, I just take two clear cups, mm-hmm. tape them on top of each other, fill one and a half with moss, and right. I think mine are putting out like inch and a half leaves are like that big, mm-hmm. and. They're got, they've got the silver veining and everything. And I just, Ooh. they look so nice. I don't want to pull them out there and down acclimate them and risk losing anything. Cause it's like, they don't got a lot to right. have to start with. Right. Speaking of anthurium leaves. Now on the opposite end of you guys with your seedlings, look at this massive leaf I grew on my crystallinum. Yeah. That's, that's impressive. Nice. It's that's hardening off now. What makes me want these babies oh. to do so well is because of yours it's different than what mine is but i want something that big i was just completely floored because i have him in like a corner of my greenhouse in the well, grow tent he was in the greenhouse this winter summer and i did not get nearly this big of growth and now he's in the tent and he's got his little corner with medium light and oh god it's huge it's beautiful <laughs> just crazy anyways Quick note with seedlings, mm-hmm. though, um, since we kind of brought it up with the anthuriums, there is a point in time where they do need to be repotted. I know with uh, tropicals, that point can come six to eight weeks after planting the seeds and getting s- sprouts. Uh. Uh, a lot of succulents, like my, especially my mesems, they're going to be in the same pot for three, four years before I start splitting them up. Oh, wow. The and only time I split them up is if they start to really crowd each other out. You're growing, like, let's say, a saucer 
or is it a, just like a six inch pot? You have a bunch of seeds that you put together. You're not growing like one in every cell. Correct. Um, depends on what I'm growing. Cause I grow aloes in trays of 105 cells and I grow one aloe per cell. Same mm-hmm. thing with my adeniums, but like my Haworthia and stuff, I literally just throw them in a four inch pot and whatever grows is what I is what's work there. With. And then you split it up when you need to. Yep. That is a good point. I should probably, maybe I should have considered doing that instead is actually just repotting the anthuriums, getting them in soil and going because they're they're still in moss. And the other thing about seedlings is a lot of times if you have a lot of seedlings in a small space, they do release, I forget the word for it, but they chemicals that inhibit the growth of plants around them oh, of the sure. same type. So they don't, yeah. Yeah, so the second you split them up and so repot them, themselves. 90% of the time I notice a huge growth spurt. Okay. And know. then they really stabilize. I know what I'm doing when I get home tonight. <laughs> You guys are giving me terrible flashbacks to the time we bought tissue cultures and I killed mine right away. I just added that to our episode topics was tissue culture. <laughs> oh yeah, Mackie's got experience with that. I, I on the again. other hand, killed all mine. I still have mine. I have one. Tom's is still in his takeout dish. Yeah, they're still small. To be uh, fair, I had, I I think my share, I had two or three Plutos and I ended up with like six because they all split on me. Oh. <laughs> and I have one left because uh, I just couldn't be bothered for the rest of them I, during the dark time. So I just kind of right. put them away. I was going to say, and to be fair, I had two Plutos, but I gave one to Caitlin. I and I bad. have one Pluto. <laughs> I felt bad that she killed all of her. I was going to say that those Plutos turned out really nice. They are pretty. Like I've seen ones in shops and I feel like ours are. Just, ours are really bronzy. Yeah. So then maybe it's a weird thing, but yeah, they're definitely, they mine stay really bronze and they don't like harden off to green. I That's ripped off the newest leaf like a maniac. So I'm waiting for another one to grow back. You didn't like it? No, I loved it. It just got caught on something. I'm a monster. I have a recommendation for your philodendron pollination if you ever do it. Yeah. Tortum and Ring of Fire. Ooh. They've got similar growth structures. Uh huh. They're more likely to hybridize. So that means they're probably in the same group within that family. So they probably have a better chance of hybridizing and they'll have a more interesting leaf shape, I feel. That could be cool. That would be cool. I really want a moonlight with anything else. <laughs> I love the moonlight coloration on just about anything. I love it. The moonlight is just like a Lisa Frank plant because the leaves are green, the new leaves are yellow, and the blooms are pink. I'm surprised you haven't told me you wanted a Melania gold then. Their leaf shape is too similar to other stuff I grow. Golden crocodile? No, the... Mo- the That's what I have. I yeah. thought you had the... The Melanonia is not a golden crocodile though. Yeah, well, it's the same leaf shape though. It's sawtooth. Oh. Well, I had jungle boogie and now I, and I got rid of the jungle boogie because I also had a ring of fire and I had too many plants. So like, mm. well, I'm not ready. Mine's starting to get real massive and needs, it's going to need a cutting. At some oh, point. didn't we, Mackie and I technically bought a golden crocodile together. Yeah. It lived up until about a month ago. Yeah. Oh, and then it died. Yeah. It mm. didn't last the purge. Gotcha. I'm still convinced they're technically the same plant. Yeah. The, the Melonia. Do you, Melonia. do you have just one pot? In the plant, would you just cut it? Yeah, I'd probably just chop it. With that plant, is it a thin-leaved or a thicker-leaf one? It's pretty thick. Pretty thick? Yeah. The golden crocodile is pretty thin. Oh, okay. So maybe that's the biggest at least qualifier. The, yeah, at least the golden crocodile we had was pretty thin-leaf. Is your golden melanonia, are the leaves wider like a Pluto? Or are they thin like a... Well, see, it's getting big. So, it's like, leaves are getting about this, like, wide right now. Are they still, like, jagged on the sides? Mm-hmm. So... It's got some nice, like, lobing. Is it closer to, is it more pluto looking Mm-mm. not at all definitely more sawtooth not like okay well send us pictures i want to see yeah, it yeah, yeah. when you say tooth are you talking like more warsawiskii or more, no no definitely like 
Like that shark with the. I would say okay. I would say jungle boogie, golden crocodile shape, where it's like this. Okay. Whereas Pluto's more like this. Yeah. Christine makes hand gestures <laughs> that you can't see, dear listener. And Pluto like stays the leaf itself stays small with a really long petiole. At least that's what I have right now. Yeah, I got and my it's like fat, flat. Yeah, my Pluto's starting to do that, and I I don't know if I like the growth pattern on Pluto's. I'm hoping it's just like an awkward teenage phase and it'll get out of it. Yeah, it's kind of keeps the color. I'm not going to care because I love the color on it. I was going to say that's what's kept the Pluto around for me is that that bronze. (laughs) I used to hate that bronze. I used like used used to remind me of like a sickly like sunburnt plant, but Mm -hmm. now it's like something about it with like the maroon on it too. It's just gorgeous. It's pretty. Uh, Totally off topic still, but I think in the (laughs) spring I'm going to do like top cuts of a bunch of my philodendrons and just start them over in smaller pots That's, and sell off the butt cuts. I'm kind of going that route, I think, too, with a lot of my Because, like, my silver swords definitely need to be cut back. They lost the... Coming inside for the winter, they lost a lot of leaves on their lower uh, vines. Um, and then, like, the tortum, same thing. It lost some leaves, too. It's getting a little nakey-nakey, so I'm just like, oh, air layer it, do a top cut, start it over. I mean, I used to do that with my philodendrons all the time. Now that I'm kind of moving more towards succulents, I don't have much I need to do that with. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> then over here, you know, Mr. Mr. Gladhands is just going wild and nuts. He's three feet tall. His little petioles are very long. He sticks out very wide. I wish I could grow plants that big, but I just don't have the space or the ability to care for a plant that long. Or the amount of light in your place. Well, that's not hard to modify with lights for Yeah, me. but when they get tall, then you're... You're using up more real estate per plant as opposed to just all your succulents and stuff. True. And since I'm more into the breeding and hybridizing, I need more numbers over a volume of plant. Mm -hmm. Okay, back on topic. What's next? (laughs) After you acclimate them down and separate them out, you're there. You're you're done. You've created a new plant. Yeah. You wait the two to three years to see if it blooms for you. And if it does, you... Pollinate that and move on to generation three. (laughs) I mean, I'm on generate. I'm going on generation two on some of my seed grown plants. Like some of my plants are like toddlers at this point. Literally five, six years old. Nice. From the first Jane Perone so along. Cute. Um, When it comes to hybridizing, how do you best determine like these two will hybridize or the compatibility? Yeah. Uh, I usually don't take compatibility much into thought. You just try and make it happen. I try to make it happen. Yeah. I look for characteristics I like in a plant. Right. And I look for other characteristics in another plant. And like if they bloom and they match up, I will pollinate them both and hope to get those characteristics on one plant. And then I hope to like get more to cross and further Mm -hmm. breed out, see what I get. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that is where the, I think the most fun would come in is, oh, I like this. I like this. How do I get them to both happen at the same time? Or we haven't seen it happen at the same time. So let's try and make it happen at the same time. Yeah. And that's kind of a new avenue for me because before my seed growing was just, I didn't want poached succulents because whenever you buy those nice, cool codex succulents, there's a good chance that the really nice ones are poached. So I was like, I'm just going to seed grow mine. Right. And then I started getting flowers on on a few other things and I was pollinating. I was like, I can do this myself. So now my goal is I want my collection to be my collection. I want it to be stuff I've bred and created. Mm -hmm. So that way it's personal. And that is my goal with my collection. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I just got to keep moving it toward less and lesser store-bought mainstream stuff and more my 
my sure mixes. Uh, how much did you fail to start out? Like this is, I mean, not everyone's going to have success immediately, right? Correct. Yeah, I had a lot of issues where like at first I was buying whatever seed I thought was cool without checking to see if like they were coming from China or if they were even possibly fake ads. So I got a lot of fake seeds that turned out to be mustard. Oh, fun. After after that learning experience, I started getting in stuff that I didn't quite understand how like a lot of Saracenia I tried, but that needs stratification, but I didn't know how to do that. So I Mm -hmm. wasn't doing that. So I probably had a lot of failures my first two or three years, but I'm a little insane in that I'll just keep doing the same thing (laughs) to see if it changes. (laughs) Well, as long as you're expecting a change instead of the same outcome, because that is the first sign of insanity. Yeah, I mean, I will will say it was insanity to begin with because I really wanted to pollinate stuff and get my own seeds to to plant because I thought it'd be so cool. So I just kept trying and trying. But then after about... I would say two years, I started seeing the in- incremental, like you got 10% to germinate. Oh, now you're at 15 and now yeah. I'm at like 60 to 70%. So like my nice. technique still isn't there and I still struggle with a lot of stuff. Yeah. But I have found a niche where I do quite well. Right. I love that. I just feel like I can find the ambition to want to try seeds someday. Honestly, it's the only thing that really keeps me going in plants at the moment because I, you know me, I'm not about caring for plants. I'm more about starting them. Yeah, I can start them. I can grow them, but they need to be, they need to be able to be neglected. Mm-hmm. And then I, I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of like having to actually grow them. Right. I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. I do very well of creating more. Like I have a really good propagation success rate. But then once they're a plant, I'm like, now what? Yeah. See, and right now so I'm I'll just, do something different. I'm just in the, uh, it's a plant. And I'm like, I don't want to propagate it because that's more work. <laughs> I'm yeah. just loving my babies. I mean, it's just definitely part of that. But also yeah. it's like, I need something that I can, with how bad my ADHD is, if it's out of sight and out of mind, I need it to not only survive, but continue to grow. So that way I can tune in like five years later, like I did with my Sininja and be like, holy crap, this is huge. <laughs> Like, that's what I need is they need to be durable so they can last that long. So if someone's like, I'm going to start trying this, probably recommend getting seeds first instead of like trying to jump right into making your own seeds. Try getting seeds first. Yeah. And work on germination and all that. Um, Then I would definitely say like, just start paying more attention to your plant as far as if you notice it flowering, look at the flowers, start learning the anatomy of flowers and what, where you would find pollen and all of that and move pollen to because even me i'm like i don't remember but it's been so long since i've been met in my plant biology classes that i have to relearn it all yeah. i mean i could point out the structures but i couldn't name them for you like right. i know it's like pistol stamen and anther but mm-hmm. i don't know which ones are which at mm-hmm. this point yeah but yeah definitely start out if you're not having stuff flower buy your seed and if you don't right. know where to buy them reach out to people that has been my biggest tip to people is just Someone in your community grows from seed and they will happily tell you where they get their stuff or even go in on orders with you like me and Emily do. We Mm -hmm. split orders all the time. And I think like big moral of the story is just have fun with it. Like you're you're always going to find the purists that are like, you're doing that wrong. But I mean, if you're having success and you're having fun with it while you're doing it, keep doing it. That's what it's really about. Like even if you have a couple failures or let's say you have a great success on your first batch and you have a hundred seedlings and then something happens and they all die. You didn't lose anything. You right. just started, you just start seeds again. Like it's super easy to just start again. 
if things don't work out, you can also just scrap it and not waste your time with it. Sure. Cool. Yeah. We. All right. Anything we want to add? Got everything. Should we do plant of the week? Yeah. <gasps> Mackie's first plant of the week. I got one too. Oh, do oh. it. Do it. Do it. Do it. I, my plant of the week is my Sininja IRA because oh, yeah. it's in bloom and I'm going to get seed pods off of it. And I'm going to Google what a Sininja. So the Sininja, <laughs> is it is it a codex? It's a codex plant. Okay. So it's like this little potato that has like this little oh, top that's yeah, sunken yeah, yeah. in. And it's kind of hairy. And then it puts out these big round fuzzy leaves. Mm-hmm. And yours is in bloom and it kind of looks like a lipstick plant, but it's oh, kind of that like yep. pinkish I red. I really like They're that actually plant. related to the lipstick plant. They're both Gisneriads. Ooh. Oh, so they're related to the Ashkenanthus and Columnaria and all that. that. Columnia. Cool. Um, This guy? Yep, that's yeah, him. That's a really pretty plant. Yep, I'm looking to get Generation 2. I started Generation 2 last year, but I had to scrap the seeds because of space issues and a couple other things. So I'm going to looking at starting them again this year. So I might have babies to give out later. Woo! Very that's cute. the other nice thing about seed starting is you always have stuff to give away. Right. <laughs> I love that. Um, I think because we shouted it enough, shouted it out enough in the episode, mine's going to be my Meliodii gold. Philodendron. That'll be nice. Um, was my, did I pick Mr. Tycon for my plant of the week recently? No, it's been a while. I don't know that I've ever picked him as my plant of the week. Well, uh, my Tycon from our friend Tom is going to be my plant of the week. Uh, he just put out a new leaf last month and he's putting out a new leaf already right now. Um, he's got a thick vine his, going. His uh, last leaf was 24 inches. So I'm really hoping. Long or wide? Just long, top to bottom. I was going to say you get in tertiary fenestrations too. <gasps> Love it. Um, but I'm really hoping this new leaf will grow up to be even bigger than that. And I'm just floored. That's a really cool plant. Mm-hmm. Giant fucking leaves. So plant of the week. Sweet. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah. So one, I mean, happy new year, everybody. We didn't even say that at the beginning of the episode. Happy new happy year. Happy new year. Um, weekly reminder, or every time we remember to remind you <laughs> to join the Discord. Check us out on Instagram. Come chat with us. We if you like- want some cool stickers, send us a donation. We'll send you some stickers. Yeah. Good stuff. Cool, cool, cool. Well, thank you for turning in to the first episode of season two of Rough Around the Hedges, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Stay rough. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.